Welcome to the show, where my friends and I tell real-world stories of other-world magic. My name is Peyton, and I'm into it. Welcome, everyone, to I'm Into It. My name is Peyton Turner, and I am into it, and so is my guest today, Karen Aladdin. Welcome, Karen. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so I'm so happy to have you here today, and I've really been looking forward to um, to this conversation. So, Karen um, is an amazing acupuncturist um, at my favorite one of my favorite places on earth. Um, it's a it's an acupuncture um, business studio. Do you call it a studio, Karen? Clinic. A clinic. Yeah. For some reason, I want to call it a studio, but a clinic um, um, that she owns with her husband. And um, I have been under Karen's care before. I've also been under her husband's care. And I've found them both to be um, profoundly intuitive in different ways. Mm-hmm. And which is interesting. And so I, you know, in thinking of today and of our conversation, um, my, I have my experience of you um, as a clinician caring for me as patient and how I feel you have intuition, but I actually, I would just like for you to tell me what intuition means to you and how you feel like you use it or don't use it or, you know, how it shows up in your life. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause when you asked me to be on here, I was like, I don't know anything about <laughs> intuition. Like, I don't know. Um, and maybe because like of the field that I'm in, I have like a different layer of what intuition is supposed to mean. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like for me, intuition is about making a decision and sitting with it and trusting it. Mm -hmm. Um, Regardless of like what other outside noise may look like (laughs) to influence that decision. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And that's, it's funny because when you say that, it reminds me, so I've, I've, I talk a lot with, um, with your husband and he describes your, he describes you as somebody who, um, how do I want to say this as, as somebody who's like, you know, exactly what you want and you're in like, it's, it, there's, it's cut and dry, boom, you know, it's, it's done and over and that's it, you know? Whereas he would describe himself as being a little more fluid, a little more wishy-washy, you know, but you are just like, you know, you don't screw around kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so when you describe intuition, um, like your, your intuition as being, being able to make a decision and go with it without outside forces and, and letting those things um, affect your decision. I think yeah. that, yeah. The other thing, um, and I want to actually come, I want to come back around and I want you to explain if you can, how because of the line of work that you're in, your you feel like your level of intuition um, and the way that you use it might be in a different in a different way than somebody who isn't in your line of work. Because mm-hmm. I do think that I think that um, doing what you do as an acupuncturist and as a healer, you, your level of intuition and how you use it on a regular basis, you probably just think it's normal or it is yeah. normal, but you probably just you don't even think twice about it because it's something that you just do naturally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I'd like to circle back around to that 
But I want to say that my experience of you is um, as a profoundly compassionate person, which is interesting because it's it's almost like it's the opposite of what Robert of how Robert describes you. <laughs> yeah, so Robert describes you as somebody who's like, you know, don't mess with me. I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to go with it. And you know, if you don't like it, then tough. Right. My experience of you, and um, when I've sat down with you and 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 talked with you about some very personal things in my life, is that you're extremely compassionate. I mean, you. I've told you um, stories and I've cried um, in front of you before at when you're sitting in a healing space for me and I've watched a tear drop from your face and yet you're still able to hold, you're still able to remain in control. So I, my, my experience of you is a profoundly feeling um, empathic, compassionate person who also is able to um, maintain, um, I don't know if control is the right word, but yeah. So describe that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So describe that um, for me. Um, how do you do that? Like, how does that show? I know I'm not the only one who has that experience of you. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And it's funny because I feel like that happens often. Like, if you know, if I see my friends upset and they're sharing with me, if they like, I mean, it's almost like a joke with like my family. They know, like, if I see someone crying, I'm gonna cry. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's like the Pisces in me or something too. Um, and I feel like I used to think of it as a weakness where I'd be like, Gosh, why, why do I cry so easily? Like, why does every movie make me cry? And um, I think it's just cause I'm like in that person's story when they're sharing with me. And so it's like, I'm in it. Like I feel what it's like to go through that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think like maybe just from a clinician standpoint too, like they're sharing with me because they want guidance and they want a plan um, with like, you know, where to go from here. Like if they're like, okay, I've come to you now. I don't know maybe like what acupuncture can do for me, um, but I'm laying it all out. So I think for me, what's nice is I find that because the medicine that I practice doesn't separate the physical body from the emotional body, that is already a comfort for people coming in that I'm like, these things that you're feeling are normal. These feelings are like going to manifest somehow in your body. And so I feel like by assessing that, like I already have like, in listening to somebody's um, description of what's going on, I'm already formulating like, you know, what things seems like it's out of balance. What can I do to like balance them? So I feel like even though I'm simultaneously like in the moment with them, mm-hmm. I'm also like creating a plan to move forward, mm-hmm. um, which I think is my, I think that's like my MO It's like, okay, like let's, create like a let's solve a problem yeah yeah I love that and I, and that takes a lot of skill to be able to sit in the emotion with somebody um, and not be overcome by the emotion and still have a piece of you that's able to um, to maintain control and, and formulate a plan and look at it from a clinical perspective so have you always been that way been able to separate the two and but uh, it's pretty fascinating to me because it doesn't, um, I, my experience in medicine, 
of, of being in Western medicine, not in acupuncture, but in Western medicine, is that there are very few clinicians who can do both at the same time, mm-hmm. who can be emotionally connected to the patient when they're sitting there with them and, and sharing vulnerable moments and also hold a space of um, clinician and mm-hmm. problem solving. It's very, it's, it takes a lot of practice. Yeah, I feel like... I feel like I have always been like this, like even just before this um, occupation, like I think I did that with my friends, you know, like mm-hmm. when they would come to me with their problems, I feel like I created that space. Um, and so I feel like this seems very natural to me. Um, but I feel like I know a lot of other people in my field have um, a tendency to like take on a lot, like, and it can really drain them mm-hmm. where, um, and this is kind of like, you know, common anecdotal things where like, if you're treating someone for TMJ, you have to really be careful about like that energy exchange. Cause then you'll get TMJ. And like, that's super common for like this sort of like energetic medicine where you're treating someone for their back pain or like knee pain or whatever, because it's like, you are sort of like facilitating this healing. It's um, one of the things that like, you have to be careful of to not let it take away from your own body's balance and your own body's Mm -hmm. health. And that can be a common thing. I think when you get a little bit, um, like overwhelmed or you're overworking or overtired, you can kind of like let that come in a little bit too easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's interesting. Cause like, I know like my husband has had that experience before, but I think that was before he had very much like experience with practice. Right. Yeah. Um, like he, like that's one of his anecdotes is like he treated someone for TMJ and then she was like, wow, it's better all of a sudden. But then he realized that night, like, he got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like he was like, shoot, I have it now. Um, but I've actually never had that experience, um, of like exchange. And so we, I, I, I don't know. I think it's funny. Like we joke about how, how I'm like an ice queen. <laughs> and I, think, I couldn't find the words, but that he has, yes, that is one of the ways that he's described <laughs> you before. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, I do have this like wall and I think it, it, it is to like obviously protect myself from being like too drained from the job because it's like yeah. you're talking to however many people a day and you're listening to like their pain like whether it's physical and or emotional you're listening to them talk about their pain yeah so it's like I I don't want that in my body clearly yeah. <laughs> yes. so um so whether it's something that I've always done um as like a person um, versus as an acupuncturist, I think I think so, and I think that's mm-hmm. why maybe it, this is a um, a little bit easier for me to like not get you know thrown off balance. Yeah. How? Um, tell me then. So, is there is that wall that you have, and it's not a you know not quantifying it as either good or bad, but, mm-hmm. but protective really for you in the line of yeah that you're in. Um, then, then outside of work, is that something that you also keep up or are there, is there any place in your life where, um, where that comes down or is that yeah, kind of how you maintain like as this really emotional 
feeling person, is that wall how you also maintain like a healthy life? I think so. I think that's how I operate a lot in like friendships because I am like a very social person. Um, but I remember in like, actually like in high school when, you know, would take like the personality Myers-Briggs tests and stuff. Um, I would always straddle between introvert and extrovert. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think like that rings very true. I think like there are like parts of me that I'm like very outgoing and open about and like, you know, I, in my appointments with my patients, like we chit chat a lot. They know a lot about my family. They know a lot about my kids, Mm -hmm. uh, my hobbies and stuff like that. Um, but, and so it is a sharing for sure. Like, I feel like the people, especially that I've been seeing for years, like, I feel like very connected with them because they're always like, how are the kids? How's your family? Like, you know, so they, they do know me on a personal level, but like, there is definitely like, a place where I like, I don't share, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, and then uh, what I want to ask, uh, what I want to ask, I keep hearing this question is, you know, you've described yourself as somebody who just like wants to get in and solve the problem, which I love that. So um, what I want to ask is there is, has there been a, ever been a problem that you couldn't solve and not necessarily with work, mm-hmm. but has there ever been a problem that, mm-hmm. or, or something that you just, um, it's one of those things that it's a work in progress, I guess, maybe. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that came to my mind with work is like, I mean, for sure, like if there's someone who has like a lingering symptom that like will not go away um, or like, I mean, much more like tangible is like, I have a lot of fertility patients. And so that is like a, you know, will this happen for them? Like, you know, to what extent can I help them? Mm-hmm. Cause I know like I have helped so many people get there, but then there's also like a piece that I'm like, there's only so, so much I can do. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is like me being okay with like, I know that like there's a, a limit to what I can do. And, yeah. and I think being like transparent about that, like, and I think they understand too. Right. Cause like, Usually if they're like seeking something like acupuncture, they know it's a little bit of like a unusual thing um, or something to, like totally different. So there, there is an element of faith, but there is also an element of like, we'll see, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you attribute to? Um, and I, I totally agree with this because they're, you know, in the healing work that I do now, there's only, I can only take you so far, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I have my theories on, on why that is, but I'm interested to know what, what you think it is about how, what is that last piece? Like you can take the, you know, there's some people you can get all the way, but there's some people you can only take so far. And then like, what's your take on what it takes to get them to the level where they want to go? Yeah. I mean, I think like, even with people who decide they want to do acupuncture, like I have so many people who like have been coming for years and they're like, I've been telling my neighbor about you forever. I've been telling like my mom to come. Um, and I always tell them, I'm like, people come when they're ready. Like you can tell them about it all the time and they will hear you. They know that it's always here. We've been here for a long time. Um, I just think that people come when they're ready to come. And I think that's part of it. Like, a big part is one people like 
being like open to asking for help in this like kind of new unusual way for them. Um, something that's kind of out of their comfort zone, like um, physically, because a lot of people are really uncomfortable with needles, <laughs> but also like kind of like, you know, philosophically too, where it's like, this is something that is foreign to a lot of people and people haven't grown up with this. So they're like, what, what is this? Yeah. So there's like an element of like trust even before they walk in the door. Like when they call right. and make an appointment, there's already an element of trust. Um, and so sometimes I feel like if there is something that's like preventing maybe like something from totally happening, I think that one of those things, whether it's like within themselves, um, like where they are in like being ready for whatever they're trying to achieve. Like some people are like, I really want healing, but maybe they're not ready for it. Like whether it's like to get rid of a pain or like, you know, a stress or like a trauma, like, um, response in your body, like they want it, but maybe they're not quite at the place that's like the next step. Absolutely. Oh, I see that all the time. I see people that want, they say that they want to get rid of it. Um, right. and, uh, and, but subconsciously there's something that they're holding on to mm -hmm. that they're not ready to let go. And it makes sense. You would think like everybody would want to get rid of their trauma, but sometimes that, you know, that trauma is actually a connection to something that they're not ready to break yet. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I have, Oh, let me get rid of this little thing. Um, like, for example, like I have a patient who, um, she has been a smoker for like 40 years. And so she actually has to go through like a bunch of different like medical procedures, like coming up in the next few months mm -hmm. and like in order for her like surgery and like stuff like that to go like as well as it can, they want her to quit smoking. Right. And she's like on board. She's like, I'm there. Um, and she has quit in the past. And so like, you know, we've done like protocols for like quitting smoking. There's like acupuncture points on your ears that help with that. Um, and it's funny. Cause she's like, I feel like there's a sense of mourning. She's mm -hmm. like, I'm ready to like, she's, she's done great. Like she's gone three weeks now, you know, hasn't had a cigarette, but it's like, she does have a sense of mourning because there's like a sense of identity with it. Yeah. And she, like, it has like connotations of like, you know, sitting outside with friends with a cocktail and a cigarette. Like those are things that are tied with it. Like she knows it's tied to her, but she's right. like, these are things that are like also really, really like, like lovely in her memories. And so there's kind of like a thing that she has to be okay with cutting that off. Yeah. And I get it. Like, I totally get it. Like, you know that there's something that like isn't serving you or isn't healthy, the healthiest thing, but you're like, I'm going to miss it. Yeah. And it might even be something deeper, like the time at which she stuck, what she started smoking was a time of defiance against her parents. And, right. now, and now her parents are gone and it's the last connection that she has of that. You yeah. know, that's what I said. I mean, it's like, it just, sometimes it's so deep and it's like, Oh my God, I didn't even think that. And yeah, that right. makes so much sense. Right. Yeah. And I totally get it. Like, cause she's just like, she's, she's totally doing fine without it, but she's like, you know, something I miss, you know, yeah. it's like, it's not necessarily the like physical, like nicotine, like thing. It's like this emotional like connection with it. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me circling back around to the beginning. So, um, when, um, when we were talking about acupuncture proper and how, 
your in that field, your um, level of intuition is a little bit more heightened or finely tuned or just so much more of your everyday life that um, it just seems like an afterthought at this point. So tell me, Mm -hmm. tell me about that process. Like, you know, how, how does that, do they teach that in school, you know, in acupuncture school, or is it just being in the community in this? And I tell you what, Karen, though, I, I think a lot of you know, when I think about why yoga is so powerful or why we burn sage still in 2021, um, yeah. I think we do these things, the movements of the, the yoga postures and the movements or the burning of the sage or the Palo Santo. Those are things that have been done for thousands of years by millions of people. And there's an ancestral lineage of energy that goes with it. Yeah. And I think I put, in my mind, acupuncture goes in the same category. Yeah. So tell me, so like speak, like tell me more about that. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like, you know, in school, it is very methodical how you learn, Um, you know. And maybe just tell us a little bit about acupuncture in general. I mean, just for the people who have never, don't know. Um, So like the way, I mean, when I decided to go to acupuncture school, I'd actually like never experienced acupuncture. I just knew I wanted to do it. (laughs) Well, I mean, talk about following your intuition, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, like my family thought I was crazy because they're like, you're doing what? (laughs) Because I was like, you know, pre-med track and I was like doing all the things that were like in a biomedical um, route. So you know, I did like a master's program. I did like a fellowship at NIH that was like research with National Cancer Institute. It was all like very biomedical, but at the same time, it was like, this is not, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Like one, the research thing was like super boring. And I was like, I think I need to be like with people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I think, um, yeah, I just knew that I wanted to be in like some kind of like alternative medicine that was focused on wellness and getting to the root of the problem versus mm-hmm. just like managing sickness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so acupuncture, um, I mean, the analogy I use for people to like have an understanding of like what acupuncture is doing is like, we're just using your body's natural healing process. So, you know, if you were to fall and skin your knee, your body knows what to do. Like, you don't have to tell it, like, to do anything. It already knows, like, okay, I'm going to send platelets there, white blood cells there. Um, So if you think about an acupuncture needle, like a micro trauma, like it is for an object that's piercing through the skin, that's going to already send off all throughout your body this, like, cascade of signals like Mm -hmm. something needs to be addressed here like this part of the body has something going on Um, and I feel like that's a an easy way to sort of like understand to like explain from like a western perspective like Mm -hmm. what's happening physically Mm -hmm. Um, and like with acupuncture I think like in school when you started school they were like you have to basically throw out everything you think you know about the human body, anatomy, physiology, biology, chemistry, like 
all these things that we also took in acupuncture school. We took, we had to take these like Western um, courses side by side with the like Eastern medicine theory classes. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, you kind of had to like shove that to the back burner and be like, we're looking at the body with a whole different, it's a whole paradigm that is completely different from how you were raised, how, how you were told to like view the body and how you were told to view your body in relation to nature. Um, And so I think a lot of what acupuncture is, is listening to when your body tells you something is wrong. Mm -hmm. So like any symptom is your body telling you that something is out of balance, something is blocked, something is low in energy, something is just not quite working the way it should yeah and so I think like with like um learning all the different building blocks of like what the channels are what certain channels and organs like functions are in the body like um just kind of understanding the patterns of how these channels or um organs like behave in the body when they're doing well and when they're not doing well. Mm -hmm. Um, those are all kinds of like, okay, these, this is information. And so for me, I think like when I'm listening to somebody's, um, you know, list of what they're telling me, like, okay, my sleep is off. Like I'm all like, I sweat at night, like all these different things. I'm like kind of putting them in different columns of like, okay, this, um, this person has this imbalance, like, and it sounds a lot like we're talking about the weather, mm-hmm. you know, like there's too much heat in this person's body or there's too much cold in this person's body. Mm-hmm. There's too much dryness. There's too much wet, you know, wet or damp quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that I feel like it's really, that I feel like that is really intuitive um, because it's like, oh yeah, like, you know, I know what it feels like when the weather is damp. Mm-hmm. Like you're just sticky and sluggish and like heavy. And so when I, you know, can describe that to someone as to what's going on in their body, they're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so, I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. And so I feel like that has always made sense to me. So even when we were like learning this in school and we're like, you know, these are the characteristics of dryness in the body or heat in the body or um cold in the body like I'm like yeah that makes sense like this is how our body would behave in these environments so that's what's happening if the climate of our own body is doing that oh I love that I love the climate of our own body I love that. That's really yeah. cool. It's a really great way to describe it. And it's yeah. so funny. I love it. It's like, I'm going to teach you everything that you need to know about how Western medicine tells you the body works. And then I want you to just throw it out the door. Yeah. <laughs> be aware of it. <laughs> just be aware of it because yeah. I mean, so, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, but what you do is you, you place your pins in what are called meridian channels, which are Mm-hmm. energetic it's an energetic map of of lines and channels on the surface of the skin and, yeah. I, and I understand that some of them are also deeper run deeper yeah. mm-hmm. uh, 
but mostly the pins that you place are going into the channels that you can't see with the naked eye. But actually, I think there is an article I may have sent you or Robert where they actually discovered the meridian channels and under a microscope. So cool. yeah, but at any rate, so the, the pin is being placed into these energetic um, lines that run throughout the body in an effort to, to release a blockage in that yes. channel. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that's, that is profound. That, that's an energetic, that's that you're treating the energy of the space of the physical body. Yeah. Which, and I, and I think that it's so cool because acupuncture like yoga is very, it's very similar. We're, we're moving the body in a way um, by manipulating the body, actually affecting the energetic body. Yes. You're putting a pin in a physical body that's then affecting the energetic body and creating healing on that level, you know, yeah. same with yoga and, and, or in massage for that matter. Um, and I, I think that the way that I see it and the way, one of the reasons why I wanted to get out of Western medicine, although I love it so much was that there wasn't, there weren't enough people addressing this energetic imbalance. Right. There just weren't, you know, yeah. and, um, acknowledging it. Yeah. Or acknowledging it. And the energetic imbalance happens first, then the physical symptoms show up. Yes. And that's your experience too, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. And I think a lot, I mean, one of the things that we have up in one of the walls of our clinic when you first walk in is about how like the superior doctor treats disease before it even manifests. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's like, we are seeing all these little signs of imbalance mm -hmm. before they become a big problem. And I think um, by the time someone comes in with this whole list of things, they're like, I'm a mess. Like there's all this stuff happening, but like a lot of the time we can trace it back to like the one root issue, like the one problem that originally is out of balance and that caused all these other things to happen. Yeah. Um, and so when people start coming on a regular basis, then they kind of know, like they're, they're much better about like checking in with themselves and like being able to report, like, you know, this thing was weird, you know, something that may maybe they wouldn't have known to bring up in the beginning as a symptom. Mm -hmm. But then as they've, you know, gotten familiar with the process or like how we sort of like, um, you know, bring things back into balance. Once they feel what that balance was like again, they're like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm doing this thing in my sleep again, or, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm like sighing at work all the time, you know? And it's like, um, I think the more in like the more like, close to balance you become like the more you realize like how those other things were like were really far off and so I think like um when you're more balanced like one little thing it's harder to like tip you off balance when you're like you know really grounded and like you know things are working the way they should you're like you know keeping your body moving in a healthy way eating the right things um, that are good for your own body, um, then it's harder to sort of like throw you off. Yeah. You know, I, I've always used it. Um, the, the example I use, and I think that I, and I'm sure you do too, when you see people come in and they're in this like super inflamed, like state of emergency, basically, uh -huh. 
And I mean, that was like the majority of my patients that I would see, you know, it's just like, like all this, all the sirens and the signals are going off. Um, and it's the same thing with intuition and the way you just described it is really beautiful. So I, I, I say if, if you're standing there and you've got a hundred fingers poking you, right. Trying to get your attention. You've got a hundred things around you, whether it's social media or your kids or your husband or your job or your whatever, insert whatever, you've got a hundred things that are poking you. Um, you're not going to know, you're not going to be able to feel the one thing that's causing the problem. Yeah. Because there's so much other stuff. But if you can get rid of all that stuff and you can get back into a place of balance, then when one little tiny symptom shows up, it's just one finger poking you on the shoulder and you're like, oh, and you can notice it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as much background noise anymore. You know, I, one of, um, one of my guides is ironically Hippocrates um, who showed up for me in a, in a journey a couple months ago and he doesn't show up that often, but what he, what he, it was, I was actually doing this journey on behalf of somebody else who needed um, you know, some information on medical issues they were having. And he said, remember my two rules. He says, what's the first rule? And I'm like, well, everybody knows it's the Hippocratic oath, you know, first do no harm, which is, mm-hmm get rid of, you know, for this person, it was to get rid of all the toxins and all the excess stress, anything that was potentially causing harm. And then he goes, and what's the second rule? And I'm like, I did not know there was a second rule. (laughs) And he said, the second rule is to get back to nature. Yeah. And he actually did have a second rule that was something along those lines. I went to look it up, but it's something about get back into the natural flow of things. So taking Hippocrates words of first do no harm, get back to nature. Like, how does that apply for, for what you guys do for the acupuncture? Like when you're, your clients. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like, so we have this, um, chalkboard up when you first walk in and mm-hmm. I change it every season and everyone is always like, Oh, I always look forward to seeing like what the new seasons, mm-hmm. like instructions are. <laughs> um, so we have like, like, the oldest text for Chinese medicine um, is called the Huang Di Nei Jing. And that's where we get like pretty much all of like the theories um, of disease and imbalance and how to treat it and how like the, um, how the different patterns in our body are supposed to go um, Mm -hmm. and what they look like when they're not going the way they're supposed to. Yeah. And one of the things that he that that's in the books is about living and um, kind of like behaving accordingly with the seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and so every so like next weekend, I'm going to be changing it to spring because next weekend is the equinox. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of it is like, you know, with the three months of spring, you have like the, the ground is thawing, the ice has melted. So like the, you know, the insects are starting to emerge, the like buds are starting to emerge, the light is staying out longer. And so it gives you instructions of like, let your body do what is happening in nature. Like we were previously in winter, which is like hibernation mode. Everything is about, 
um, conserving your energy. Like um, everything's about like storage and like keeping things um, to basically just survive the winter. <laughs> right. and now that the sun has come out, the birds are chirping, you can sort of like come out of your cave. You can like go out, enjoy the breeze, the, the breeze that comes with the, with the spring, you can, you know, stretch your body and move in ways that feel good to your body, um, to get a slight sweat, get your energy, um, like move that stagnant energy that's been mm-hmm. still in the yeah. previous season. Um, and so it has suggestions about like how to eat, how to dress, how to exercise that is appropriate for what's happening in, um, in nature. And I think like, it's, I think it's funny that people get so excited about like, Oh, I can't wait to see what like the board is going to say this time around. And, um, and maybe that's like part of it where it's like, this is so like obvious to me. (laughs) And obviously because I've like, you know, been familiar with like, this sort of advice that I give to people. Um, but for some people, this is like brand new information. What is the, what's the biggest, you know, when, when we look at winter, especially, I mean, what do you, what do you see the, some of the biggest, and I I almost hesitate to call them mistakes, but we'll say mistakes for the sake of conversation Uh Mistakes that people make, um, with how they spend or use their energy in the winter months. Um, well, I mean, the holidays are in the winter and this year was unique, but most people are running around way too much. And I just feel like this year when I saw people and asked them about their holidays, they were like, it was really nice because we did nothing. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, like, it's so great. Like you can actually sit and be home and like spend time with your family instead of like running from event to event when the season is about like hibernating and like staying inside and staying warm and enjoying like more warming, nourishing foods that like are like you spend more time cooking, like slow cook. Mm -hmm. Um, So you should be home to like do that and like have the time to do it rather than like rushing um, to like make one thing to bring to, you know, somebody's holiday party or, and so I think like there was a lot of relief this year that people didn't have to go to three different Thanksgivings or three, you know? You know, I honestly think that that was one of the blessings of COVID is I think that it forced people to get back into, if they were willing to accept, you know, the blessing forced people to get back into a more natural cycle with the seasons. Yeah. You know, because they, because so many things that we use as distractions um, from ourselves were taken away. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I also think like with the calendar, like with new year's resolutions, I think it's kind of in the dead of winter. (laughs) And I think a lot of people um, try to get like these big goals or like these big, things to like get going and get moving January 1st. Um, yeah. And it goes against like what nature is. What a great explanation for why people's new year's resolutions don't last is because you're trying to amp it up. It's like, you're trying to start a diesel motor in the 
in the freaking middle freezing of the cold, cold. Yeah. the freezing cold. Like no wonder it won't start, right? Yeah. It's and it's against our natural way of being. Yeah. And I mean that there's nothing wrong with having like goals, but I think and and like wanting to make these changes, but I think like creating a realistic timeline <laughs> for when to get some of these things done will be a little bit more in line with like, okay, well, like, let's do it accordingly with like, what makes sense for what's happening outside. Like, you know, like, maybe you can't make it to um, like a hike outside if it's ice outside, you know, like, you're right. like, we'll save those kinds of things for the spring. Uh, plus, like the Lunar New Year is usually a little bit later on. Um, like, you know, usually late January, early February. And that's kind of like you're, you know, moving into a more um, active time of like, okay, things are thawing, I guess, depending on where you live. Yeah. But um, the energy too, because like the winter solstice is like late December, at least like the light is agreeing with you. Right. <laughs> so like, oh yeah, I'm going to get all these things done, but it's dark. Like, by five PM. Yeah. Um, you feel like you're like, your list is already cut off. And so yeah. I feel like that is um, kind of defeating already. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe our new year's resolution should be, I'm just going to get in tune with myself and the seasons like, and consider yeah one I want to ask you before I forget so have you ever seen the movie Avatar oh yes I feel like um that movie James Cameron the director must have researched shamanism and acupuncture and all the things yeah because there's a there's a I mean I've, I've seen it once or twice and it's been a while since I've seen it but there is a um there are a couple of scenes where there are what I would just describe as energy meridians that are connecting all of the living beings in the whole place, all yeah. of the trees, all of the animals, all of the flowers, all of the, the humans or whatever the um, life forms are that are there in these beautiful streams. And so it's not just that, you know, if, if you go by this avatar theory of energy, it's not just our meridians, it's our meridians connected to the meridians yeah. of everything around us and, and which includes the seasons. Yeah. And so to get back in, in our own balance, like you can get pinned all you want. <laughs> yeah. But if you're out trying to run a marathon in the middle of winter, which is, should be a summer activity, then you're more likely to get out of balance. So it's not yeah. enough just to get pinned and then go back to your high stress life. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like maybe the work that I'm doing with your treatment is just like chipping away at this tiny this tiny thing and really what we're like up against is an iceberg. Yeah. You know? but, Tell, yeah. yeah. And I, yeah, I just, I thought that movie, the way that they explained that and the way they illustrated it was really powerful. Yeah. Um, and one last question before we move on, I want to know, so I want to go back to the moment at which you decided not to do um, like the traditional medical stool slash research stuff. And you said yeah. to me, you said to your family, I want to go to acupuncture school. And they were like, say what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. <clears throat> and to me, that is a profound act of intuitive courage. Yeah. Um, and 
And I want to know, like, for you, what was the moment, like, there had to have been a light bulb moment where all of a sudden you were like, yeah, this is exactly what I want to do. And I know I want to do it. And I'm going to, I'm going to do it. So what was that like for you? I feel like it was not just like one moment, but like a bunch of things that like layered on top of each other that like helped me realize that that was like what, what I was supposed to be doing. Cause like I was, um, I was like applying to medical school, but then I was like, you know, I don't, I, I didn't really feel like I was like a competitive candidate on my application. So I was like, maybe I'll do a master's program. And so actually I did, um, I'm, I'm from the DC area. So I, um, went to UVA for undergrad and then I moved back home Mm-hmm. to do a master's program at Georgetown and it was a master's in physiology, but it was, a, it was actually a, a focus in complementary and alternative medicine. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is I applied originally to this master's program at Georgetown called the special masters in physiology, the SMP program. Mm-hmm. That was like, this is the master's program that you do to get into medical school. Because like you take all the classes with like other medical, actually their medical school students, Mm -hmm. you take physiology with them, you take um, biochemistry with them, you take anatomy, you take all these classes with the med students. So they're like, if you take this program, you get into medical school because people see that you are ready for the content, right. you're competitive and you were dedicated. So right. I was like, yeah, I'm applying to this. Right. And so I actually like, um, applied to it. And then I got a call from the admissions person from this other program. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Hey, like we cannot offer you a spot for the SMP program for this year, but we could offer you a spot for next year. However, if you were interested in doing this other program, which from your, um, your transcripts, you might be interested because a lot of your classes are like in liberal arts. <laughs> Cause like I was a Spanish major. Um, most of my classes that were like once I basically like met all the bare minimum of like <laughs> biology and chemistry and physics, organic chemistry, all those classes to, in order to fulfill a pre-med, like everything. Yeah. But everything else I did outside of that was like English and poetry writing and Spanish and Spanish literature and like other electives like snowboarding and golf, like all these other things. (laughs) And she was like, so we have this new program that is physiology. So a lot of the, you know, bioscience that you're interested in, Mm -hmm. but it's a focus in complementary and alternative medicine. And I was like, tell me more. Like I was like, That's cool. <laughs> I love it. Like if you want to do the SMP program, like the other physiology program, you would just have to wait a year, but there is a spot for you in this program this year. And so I like, she was like, here's the website. You can read all about it. If you want to like schedule a tour, all that stuff. And I was like, I, I literally didn't even hang up the phone and I was like, I'm in. <laughs> I was like, that sounds like what I want to do. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I so love- it was kind of cool because it was like I applied for this uh, whole other thing yeah. with like a totally different intention in mind. 
-hmm. And then I was like, whoa, this is like way more exciting to me. Like I was like, I was like into the material. Um, And it was like, and it was also like research-based, you know, but it was like about this like whole field that I was like, I want to know more about it. Like, and it was like research-based in terms of like, what is alternative medicine? What are people using? What are they using it for? So we talked about like other things besides acupuncture. We talked about meditation, um, biofeedback, like yoga, massage. Yeah, all the alternative stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this is like the future of medicine. And I see myself in that picture. I don't know where which column I fall under. Um, but I was like, I see myself there. And so I feel like that already was like a big, um, shift in like how I was kind of viewing my career in the future, but it was still with like a comfort zone of like one, it's at like a major university that I like was like, Oh my God, I'm so proud to be able to go to Georgetown someplace Mm -hmm. that I was like, it was like, also still like Western medicine geared. So it was still kind of like not totally out of my comfort zone. Right. Um, So I feel like that was a really like influential part of like me, like just like changing like the helm, (laughs) the direction of where the baby step, right? Like if you'd gone from (laughs) applying to med school to acupuncture school without that baby step in between, it probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah, because yeah, it's all of the societal shoulds that that make us feel like we yeah. only have one option. You know, I mean, that's how I felt. Yeah. You know, it's you've only got this one option, and it's an attractive option. I mean, you're drawn to it, right? Like the medicine yeah. piece is really, really has a good pull. But then all of a sudden, this whole new world opens up, and you're like, oh, that feels really good. Yeah, totally. And I feel like that was a good, like, yeah, a subtle, like, just turning my head in that direction. And then I kind of just kept following that way. Um, And so what would it have felt like to go back to medical school after you had taken that turn? Because, and the reason why I'm, I'll tell you why I'm asking this question. It's because I feel like if people were more in tune with how things feel in their body, then they could follow their intuition on, on a much more finite level Um, because your intuition tells you that either things feel good or feel bad. Yeah. But when things feel bad, we, our brain wants to talk us out of them feeling bad because other people say they're good. Right. So you, so you got, you were on this medical tract, you know, this classic med school tract. Yeah. (laughs) And then you kind of got pulled off with something that was kind of quasi med school, quasi, I'll say woo woo, which is what I call the spiritual stuff. Yes. Um, And then you started off on this side track of the, of the, you know, the, the baby step to where you are now. And that started feeling good. And then how did med school start feeling after that point? Like, what would it have felt like to go back? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I think even before, like, I mean, even while I was on that track, I felt like, um, I was, I like, didn't quite fit it. Yeah. Um, What did it feel like in your body? Like if you could describe it. Um, like I just felt like I was an outsider, like in all, like even like the med school classes and like, you know, if I would have like study groups with certain people, like one, I feel like they were so hyper-focused on like the end goal of getting into medical school. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was also like 
not a familiar feeling in my body. Like it was like, that's not like what I was like, it's not like who I was. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like it would have felt too, like too much of a strain Mm -hmm. on like, I don't know, like just, I feel like I would have been acting. Well, and I love that you say you feel like an outsider. I mean, for me, when I'm, when I'm in a situation where I know I'm not in alignment anymore, it feels really heavy and constricted in my body. Yeah. You saying that makes me realize, yeah, like I also sometimes tend to feel like an outsider. Like I just don't quite fit in. Yeah. And so that's a really beautiful thing. It's like, are you living in a place where you just don't quite fit in? Mm -hmm. And maybe that should be your sign or any, or an offering that maybe we should look at okay, can I find a place where I do fit in? Because that's where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's very cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we're going to, I'm going to do, um, we're going to move into the place where um, we like put our intuition to work. And um, I felt like pulling a card for you today and I'm, and I will just see how this goes. I've, I will say that I, um, this deck that they, when I say they wanted me to pull from this deck, I mean spirit. And I feel like I really felt like pulling from this deck for you was where it was at. And it's the Kim Kranz animal spirit deck. Um, and I, I love this deck, but I don't ever do reads for other people from this deck. Like I've never, I'll, I use this for myself and I'll pull a card and then oh. just, look at the, and then I'll just look at the explanation in the guidebook. Um, typically when I do reads for other people, I use a completely different deck, but um I feel like what I'm supposed to do is just pull the card and, um, and then I'll read the explanation in the book. And I think it's going to land for you. Okay, cool. Ooh, this is a good one. So what I pulled the hummingbird and of course we're going into spring, right? Yes. So I look at this hummingbird card and I'm like, well, of course we just had this conversation of spring and that reminds me of the hummingbird. So let's see what the hummingbird, the explanation. I like the art on that one too. What'd you say? I like the art on that card too. Yeah, they're all like they're all like that. Um, let's see. Here we go. The hummingbird. <laughs> this pretty much describes you in a nutshell. Hummingbird, <laughs> positive, enthusiastic, spiritually resourceful. Inside the tiny hummingbird resides an endless well of energy and positivity. And for for those for our listeners who are just listening and not watching, like like Karen is like in her physical appearance, like a tiny but strong hummingbird, like you're just very lithe and also very strong. Um, the hummingbird's secret is that it has learned where to gather nectar and it returns to these sources daily for nourishment and rejuvenation. This sacred elixir springs from many sources, but usually involves nature, creativity, and exploring spirituality. Follow the way of the hummingbird and you cannot go wrong. Every droplet of life becomes sweet, every moment worth savoring. I love that. I do too. And I think about you and this card and I'm like, I feel like, you know, um, you know exactly where to go to replenish. Like, yeah. I feel like there's so many people and I don't know what it is for you, but I feel like you have a place where you go to replenish. I, if I, knowing you, I would have to guess that one of them is to do the, the acrobatics that you do at Turner's yeah. There's one place where you can replenish and be creative. But I feel like, like, you know, exactly where to go. I see so many people who are like, they just kind of flounder. They don't have 
mm-hmm. a, toolbox, a toolbox that they can dive into and, and replenish. But for you, I feel like that's something that you just naturally, like you got it and, and everybody yeah. get in my way because that's where I'm going. <laughs> yeah I think a big one for me is like just being able to spend time alone yeah so and and that can literally be like I love just driving by myself yeah and I can kind of like dictate the environment like I either feel like I want like to blast music or I want like nothing (laughs) (laughs) like just nobody around just like no one else but me you know so I feel like that was like uh, yeah, for sure. I like the hummingbird. Cause like, I feel like you usually see them solo too. <laughs> you usually see there are no flocks of hummingbirds. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> there are no flocks of hummingbirds. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, is there anything that you, um, you'd like to share before we sign off? Um, I was going to read the, like the spring thing. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Let's hear it. It's perfect. Um, let me pull that up. The three months of the spring bring out the revitalization of all things in nature. It is the time of birth. This is when heaven and earth are reborn. During this season, it is advisable to retire early, arise early also, and go walking in order to absorb the fresh, invigorating energy. Since this is the season in which the universal energy begins anew and rejuvenates, one should attempt to correspond to it directly by being open and unsuppressed, both physically and emotionally. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Go to bed early, get up early, be open. Yeah. Don't like receive the air. I love it. Don't, don't like go headstrong into taking on any huge projects, but just be in in a space of awakening, you know, I love that. Yeah. Like right now, like the buds are like just starting. They're not in a rush, but like they're coming out. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be in a rush. Yeah. (laughs) Don't be in a rush, but get outside. Well, really great. Well, Karen, thank you so much. Where, where can people find you if they'd like to get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, so our clinic has Instagram and Facebook, um, on Instagram, it's Meridian underscore Louisville. Okay. Um, Facebook, you can just look up Meridian acupuncture. Um, and then my like individual, um, Facebook is Karen Aladdin and, um, Instagram is Karen Aladdin. So you'll see lots of cool things like my circus stuff. And oh yeah, the circus stuff. Is with my kids being cute. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, listen, I, I thank you so much and I'll put all that in the show notes and it's just been an honor and a pleasure. And so, um, yeah, so thanks for joining us today. Uh, again, my name is Peyton Turner and my guest is Karen Aladdin and we are both into it. Thank you.